This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. If you're ever at a loss for what to eat, I like to go to the market and just walk through there. You're always going to find either take-home prepared meals, but their meat and seafood departments are incredible. So you can always get some great ideas there. The first thing you see are those kebabs in a variety of flavors. Oh, yeah. There's some great ideas for dinner right there. And, of course, their seafood second to none. Have you... Have you purchase those big giant scallops that they have i have not no i have i have and they are worth it they're the best scallops you're ever going to have uh don't forget the poke bar which is now available in all three locations if you're uh want to eat something on the go going out for lunch whatever the reason there's always pokey at zoo pants yeah and you know what there's a little secret to that poke bar there's rice there Mm -hmm. and there's also lots of beautiful fish yeah so and it's all priced by the pound right so how would you go about that heavy on the fish yeah a little bit a little bit so um their take-home meals are awesome we just had some um uh stroganoff that was really good mm. and um also i always like to take pictures you're not supposed to take pictures in the store for whatever reason but they we're allowed to because they sponsor us right but that produce department is picture worthy oh, you totally just want to pull out your camera yeah everything is delicious and beautiful and right now the citrus is fantastic um so not, second to none over there, their produce department. Absolutely. Got a lot of locally sourced, mostly locally sourced uh, products. And let's not forget the floral department. Always beautiful and a great place if you're looking for a special gift for that someone. Three locations, McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Grove. And of course, always where, Chris? Zoopans.com. And in your mailbox, if you subscribe to the news feed, you're going to get deals in your email box. Got to do it. Court, it's time to talk about Portland Knife House. And for those uh, folks listening at home, if you're an avid Right at the Fork listener, and we suggest you be one, uh, you can go back to episode 161 with Eitan Zias and really expand on this uh, this ad where we're going to talk about their products. Uh, so cool of Portland Knife House to sponsor our International Women's Month special series of podcasts. And uh, everybody should, we think it's, especially appropriate because they're a business that caters to both the consumer market and also all our industry folks listening to the podcast. Yeah, right it's now. owned and operated by former chefs. And when it comes to like sharpening, repair, or maybe getting a customized knife, this is the place to go in Portland. And the, the other reason that it's a place to go is there's no larger selection no. of, of knives in uh, for the kitchen in portland and i don't know and i've been there to check them out as a matter of fact i just bought a beautiful uh bread knife that i couldn't believe i was as nice as it was it's not i'm not worthy but it's absolutely beautiful yep they also offer hands-on sharpening classes so you could take your knife there to be sharpened or they can teach you how to do it yourself that's right. And so the best way to find out about those classes, because they do sell out, mm-hmm. is to go to PortlandKnifeHouse.com. But more importantly, head to their showroom on Southeast Belmont on, what is it on? 2637 Southeast Belmont. So that would be on 26th. Or you can call 503-234-6397. Whatever you do, you tell them you heard it on Right at the Fork. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast with not your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. He's not here, Brooke. 
I know. I, I feel very Chris-like, though. You're, I get to sort of lounge. You're sitting in his chair. I am sitting in his chair. I don't think we've ever had anybody sit in his chair before. The women have taken over. Yeah. It's just as people have feared. That voice, uh, <laughs> Brooke Jackson Glidden from uh, Eater PDX, the editor here in town. And uh, I should say, I think Chris is probably sitting by his phone waiting for people to call about his trips to Australia in April or Bologna, Italy in October. Who wouldn't want to go to Australia or Bologna? I'm telling you. We're pretty excited about what's been going on. I was glued to this interview that you just had with Maya. And I I think this is an important interview for everybody in the food industry. Nay, I think just anybody in Portland that should should listen to. Because you guys got into, I don't want to say heavy stuff, but some important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we don't really... I think Portland in general is is a community that is really conscious of sort of generic issues, right? Whether that's, you know, dining, you know, sustainability or, or whatever. But really, we don't talk about the really sort of deep and dark um, sexual harassment stuff in kitchens very frequently. So we do touch on that. But we also talk about Lizzo. So I right? think we have a nice little balance of, um, you know, what it's like to work in the food industry as a woman in Portland. I think it's a totally important issue and now is really the time to be talking about it if you're not talking about it already. I, and I think for, for people like me who think, no, I think I have a pretty good, good grasp of what's going on. The answer is no, you don't. Because we not being a female myself, you're really not going to know the struggles of what it's like mm-hmm. to be a woman in any workplace. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was it's interesting to sort of talk about, um, you know, Maya's background because she's worked in Southern kitchens. She learned to cook with her grandmother, but she also worked in like big, high powered mail run kitchens in, you know, uh at, at Husk, specifically in, in Charleston, Nashville, Atlanta, um, and then came up here and worked, you know, in a kitchen run by a woman. Um, it's it's just the the spectrum of what she has seen as as a, a culinary figurehead and um, a woman in kitchens um, is really, really amazing. And, you know, from the little experience I've had working in kitchens, which has involved plenty of sexual harassment on the part of both diners and uh, coworkers, it's it's still really eye opening to talk to someone who's that experienced and has worked in so many different um, environments. And again, from a guy that got to sit in the corner and record all of this, it was a very interesting interview. So here it is, Brooks' interview with Maya Lovelace from the soon to be yonder. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupans.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, 
a business dinner, or just a great night out. Make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. By Portland Food Adventures. Inviting you to listen to Right at the Fork, episode number 170 with Proud Mary Coffee's Nolan Hurdy. Then imagine yourself eating and sipping your way through Melbourne, Australia, this April for nine incredible days of VIP treatment at Nolan's favorite places in Proud Mary's home city. Also, tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astri Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia Romagna. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact Right at the Fork host Chris Angelis for more information and special savings on these PFA food journeys. By Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands, where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features for your upgrade or remodel. Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947. And by Portland Knife House, dedicated to equipping the professional and home cook alike, offering knife sharpening, repair, sales, and education in Southeast Portland. Owned and operated by former chefs with by far the largest selection of kitchen knives in Portland with a focus on Japanese knives. See them for yourself at their Southeast Belmont showroom and store or at PortlandKnifeHouse.com. Are you ready to talk about ladies and food? And Yeah. Okay, awesome. Always. I, you know, I think um, it's sort of a fun opportunity for us to chat about this because mm-hmm. we also get to talk about the differences between Southern sort of hospitality and, and how sexism and, and expectations of women play into that and then oh, yeah. like compare it here. And um, that's always fun for me. For sure. Um, but so much of what you do has to do with the food you ate and the the women that sort of taught you to cook, include, mm-hmm. especially your grandmother. Yeah. So um, did you ever have uh, an expectation that um, going into a professional kitchen would feel very different from that? And, you know, coming from a place with strong female f- role models, do you think that that transferred fairly easily into what you do now? I mean, I feel like, honestly, for most uh, young women going into the culinary world, it's always a little bit of shock yeah. to the system um, when you go into your first kitchen and it's macho and crappy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, my introduction to the idea of working as a professional cook was reading Kitchen Confidential when I was 14. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah. So I was kind of prepared um, and I already kind of thought I was tough shit and could deal with whatever. Mm-hmm. Um So I feel like it took me a really long time to realize that being a woman in a kitchen doesn't necessarily mean you have to play by those same rules, kind of the the rule book that's been set out for for men and how a chef is supposed to act and all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like I used to be a a macho, tough cook. Is Um, that really true? So was that like prevalent, especially when you were in the South or did that really travel with you? It's it's everywhere. everywhere. I kind of feel like Um, it's more, I think it's more intense in some bigger areas like I think that New York has really rough kitchens (laughs) (laughs) and a lot lot of like rough women who work in those kitchens Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it basically it's like if you're raised in that environment you come to think that it is not only acceptable but like normal and encouraged Um, it's kind of that whole kind of play like the boys mentality that I absolutely despise Um, and I you know like I said I was kind of a, a tough bro cook 
mm-hmm. um, when I was younger. Like when I worked at Husk, I was definitely kind of of that same mentality where it was all like boisterous all the time and like just talking a lot of shit. Um, but, you know, as I kind of started to create my own identity as a chef and as I started to actually become a leader in the kitchen, I realized that I didn't want to throw stuff at people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to throw stuff at people. I didn't want to tell people how garbage they were at their jobs. Like I didn't want to create an environment like that, um, especially having been through some relatively traumatic stuff uh, in in restaurant workplaces. I was just like, I, I don't want that for anyone. Absolutely. I think there is, you know, it's interesting. There is this sort of expectation that if you're going to be in a kitchen space that you need to, you know, have your fists up in in certain ways, especially when you feel like there is this expectation of machismo. Do you think that's changed? Do you think that kitchens are still very, um, I I don't like the word masculine, but is there a certain toxic masculinity to kitchens still today in the way it was in, say, the... Kitchen Confidential era. Yeah. (laughs) I think that things have changed some just because Mm -hmm. the world has changed and you can't talk to people like that in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of us, you know, delicate snowflake millennials basically aren't putting up with that shit um, and don't want to go work at jobs where people say hideous things to us all the time. Um, So basically, I think that there's kind of a... A swinging of the pendulum to the other side, right? Where all these people who came up in these really intense, um, kind of aggressive kitchen environments have realized that now that they're the leaders, they can make everything go the opposite direction. Um, So I think that there are a lot of people who are, you know, experienced and grew up in that kind of kitchen culture that are shifting things to be kind of more positive, more supportive, uh, more welcoming to women and to, you know, non-binary folks and um Basically, I think things are getting a lot better, but I think specifically when we're talking about women, it's important to think about the fact that the the female chefs of kind of the, the previous generation um, had to, they had to act like that to survive, right? right? They didn't have the same... Um, the same environment where they could be kind of feminine, more soft, um... They were afraid and they had to put up walls and uh, defenses. So I think that there are a lot of female chefs um, who have acted really tough and macho and have kind of exhibited like some toxic masculinity somehow. Um, But I feel like in our new generation of chefs, we're turning away from that. Yeah. Um, that's what I definitely hope to do in my own kitchen. Absolutely. And what's interesting is that you you center your pop-up sort of space and it feels very much like a dinner party. Yeah. And, you know, historically, women have had more free reign in home kitchens as opposed to professional kitchens. And mm-hmm. you get to have this sort of balance of this experience of of the the home kitchen and this sort of traditional restaurant space. Right. Do you see maybe experiences you had with your family or especially young women role models for you that sort of informed how you um, how you run that specific pop-up? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that, you know, growing up in the South, uh, basically everywhere you go, you're surrounded by kind of nurturing women. Mm-hmm. Um 
no matter what restaurant you go to, like I, I grew up in a really small town in North Carolina and every restaurant that I went to, there was always some older woman who was calling me sugar or honey or sug, which is always <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. Um, and like just taking care of people. Um, and I feel like it's kind of an interesting thing where we think of, you know, professional kitchens as being so male dominated. Um, but in the South, that's not really been the experience that I've seen, mm. um, like not not talking about, you know, James Beard nominated kitchens and things like that. But like if you go to go get like a meal at a meet and three, it's very likely that it's women working in the kitchen there. Right. Mm. Um, because I think that in the South, as women, you know, entered the workforce, there were less jobs that were, you know, outside of the kitchen. Uh, it was a really easy jump for a lot of people to take. Um, and also. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, women, especially in the black community, have been working for a very long time. Right. Absolutely. Um, and a ton of that work has been done uh, in the kitchen. Um, so I grew up basically seeing women in these positions and always being taken care of um, in a way that felt really warm and lovely and kind of familial. Um, so I think that I kind of, you know, internalized a lot of that and kept it with me mm -hmm. this whole time. Um, and then obviously also there's, you know, the 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 grandma, my grandma May, <laughs> we all know at yeah. this point, um, who was also very, very welcoming in the same way, though. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the time when you go to a really small restaurant in the South, you are family. You know, you're treated as family when you come in and sit down. Um, so I wanted to bring that kind of that kindness, that kind of generosity of uh, spirit into what I did. So that's interesting. So it's not necessarily a home cooking versus right. uh, professional kitchen thing. It's more like this is a, a southern um, part of southern house hospitality, really. Yeah. And coming to the north, did you sort of experience that did it feel like there was a missing sense of hospitality in kitchens and in that sort of world? And also, you know, speaking to the same issue of, of women in kitchens, did you feel like you encountered fewer women in kitchens within Portland? Well, not so much, actually. I was really cool. surprised when I moved to Portland and I saw so many um, women working in kitchens. But again, it's a separate thing, right? It's right. not like the little place by the side of the road. Mm -hmm. um, when I lived in Charleston and when I lived in Atlanta and when I worked in professional kitchens, it was super male dominated. Um, professional kitchens being, you know, like hip, hip restaurant. Right. Um, Places people like me write about, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there is a kind of a cultural divide there. Um, but I was really happy when I moved up here and I saw so many women working. I thought it was really, really cool because, I mean, when I you know, worked at Husk, for instance, there were only a couple women on the line when we first mm. started. There were two of us who worked on the line wow. um, out of the entire team. And I think the opening kitchen crew was like 20 something people. Um, so it always, in my experience before I moved here, felt like you were kind of always the only girl. Um, I worked in situations where I was the only woman and I was a sous chef and like the guys wouldn't listen to me. Um I still have a hard time with the idea of like hiring men who are older than me just right. because I've had so many negative experiences in the past uh, being ignored yeah. <laughs> or, you know, not listened to. Um, but yeah, to get back to it, I feel like um, 
it's funny where in the South, there are so many women working in these kitchens, um, but not at high levels. Right. Um, and I feel like here you see a lot more balance um, in professional kitchens at, you know, the level where mm-hmm. you're you're writing about them. Right. <laughs> <Basically>. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I want to jump back to something you mentioned offhand. Mm-hmm. Um, this this issue of being a, a woman leader. Yes. So especially in a kitchen environment. You said you've had experiences where people have ignored your requests or Or just been super shitty (laughs) in general. (laughs) Are there other issues you've experienced in terms of having uh, being a woman leader in a kitchen of not all men, but a good number of men? Oh, not all men. I feel I feel like I need to sit in the corner. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway. Oh, no, no, no. You're fine. Um, (laughs) Sorry, what? <laughs> Sorry. You got distracted. Yes. Um, but in terms of being a woman leader in a kitchen, mm-hmm. um, what are some issues you've experienced uh, working with a lot of men, especially as a leader? Oh, my God. I mean, I feel like at least when I when I was younger, um, I mean, my first sous chef job, I was like 21 years old. I was probably too young to be leading a kitchen anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was in Charleston and all of my cooks were dudes who were older than me, basically. Mm-hmm. And I had people walk out of the kitchen. Oh. I had people just like talk shit to me openly, disregard everything that I was saying, not follow directions, be super disrespectful. Um, I feel like there was, hopefully not anymore, just a really huge current of like general misogyny mm-hmm. in kitchens, um, which I think has been talked about a lot Um But yeah, I mean, that was definitely my experience where like, I mean, I am a person who has spent a lot of my life being afraid of men in general, Mm -hmm. as I think a lot of women have, um, you know, for reasons, Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously. Right. Um, And yeah, I've had situations where I've been at work and I've had to like basically hide Mm -hmm. from people. Um, I've had situations where I've been screamed at by people that worked for me, Um, situations where I've gone into like legitimate like. Uh, fight or flight response like panic attack type stuff Um, and I don't ever want to do that again and I don't ever want anyone who works with me to have to deal with anything like that Um, so I think it's really cool to see how the industry has changed and to see that that's not something that happens so much anymore Um, I've heard tons of stories from you know female cooks older than me who have been backed into corners and screamed at hit by chefs (sighs) Yeah. And I mean, it's not it's not just women that have experienced this, but it feels different to women. I yeah. think I think there's such a history and context surrounding mm-hmm. um, male figures harming, physically harming, emotionally harming women well, yeah. that, that when it's in your workplace. Right. Like even if they go, oh, well, that's just the culture of the kitchen. It's like, right. But you there is also this context mm-hmm. of women living in the world, yep. you know, living in the world now and, and how we interact with men and Unfortunately, many cases. Um, I think it's particularly interesting that you started so young. I'm. I'm also. So I'm. uh, I'm. I never talk about my age, but I'm 24, (laughs) um, and I. I'm editing Eater Portland. So being a young woman in Mm -hmm. a leadership role is is a particularly interesting phenomenon because I think that you're you're dealing with not only a group of older men and and men in general that that 
may feel inclined to disregard <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, what you're saying and, and what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also this quality of, well, you don't really know how things are supposed to go because you don't know this this larger history of, in many cases, abusive behavior. Right. Um, and it's it's such a, an odd phenomenon to try to go, well, maybe maybe we can change things and maybe my age doesn't have to do with the fact that we want to improve the general status of our work environment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, you get to now run a kitchen completely. Yeah. It's going to be your own space. You're yeah. doing it now with um, the pop-up, but in terms of your own restaurant, um, have you thought about things that you might want to do that you now that you have really your own kitchen, your own space to yeah. make things feel a little bit safer for all parties involved? Oh, all, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we're just going to have a, a really strict zero tolerance policy yeah. for any kind of right. bullshit or shenanigans uh, yeah. that make anyone uncomfortable. Um, I'm not a yeller. I'm not, you know, a screamer. I don't insult the people that work with me. Um, and I I will not let that shit slide. Um, I'm making it really clear to the people I'm hiring that they deserve to feel safe um, at work all the time. Um, I'm making it really clear to them that they deserve to be taken care of by an employer. Right. Um, yeah, and we're just gonna we're just gonna start there. Like I I'm trying to create an environment in this kitchen that is super warm, super nurturing, um, really kind of uplifting and supportive for everyone. Uh, I feel like that's how I like to be in my personal life. Like I like to be around people who are supportive and kind and warm, and I like to provide that same thing. And I am not so concerned about you know being the top dog. And like what I say goes as much. I would rather have an environment that feels mutually trusting, mutually beneficial, where everyone is working together as a team, taking care of each other, respecting each other. I don't know. I I also try to be really open about uh, my personal struggles with like mental illness, like depression, anxiety, things like that, because I really think it's important as we move forward as an industry um, for people to be open and to discuss those things. Like, I want my cooks to talk to me mm-hmm. about how they're feeling that day. I want them to talk to me about what's going on in their lives. And that is just not going to happen if you have, like, a super macho military atmosphere. Right. Um, so I don't ever want to work in a kitchen like that again. I don't want to run a kitchen like that. Um, yeah. And I don't think it's it's, you know... Going back towards like, I'm not going to be their mom. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be like it's a home kitchen and I'm like, mom. You're a boss. I'm a boss. Yeah. Like, what I say still goes. Right. But I'm not, I just have no interest in hurting anyone. Right. Um, whether it's, you know, to make myself look like bigger, taller, stronger, whatever. Whether it's to, you know, beat people down so you can bring them back up. Like, I just don't believe in that shit anymore. And I think that that's really important. Absolutely. Pausing a moment here, Chris, to talk about a great place to go for dinner any time of the week. Ringside. Look at that. Cheerleaders. Yep. Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah. In the Peterson family for 75 years. This would be the 75th year. And uh, there's a reason that restaurant has sustained so long. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to a show downtown, if you're going to any event downtown, why not go check out their three-course meals? Three-course supper, $45.25. 
Before 6 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And just a little bit more after that. Right. And then also Monday is prime time. Yep. So the prime rib three-course dinner, 35 bucks. Can't beat that. I mean, that's that's beautiful beef oh, yeah. that you're going to be enjoying for that price at the Consummate Steakhouse in Portland as well. Yep. And uh, they have... We recently did a spot for them that reeled off their entire happy hour menu. Oh, they have one of the best happy hours in Portland, bar none. Yes. So, and and you can get that all Sundays, four to five thirty. So mm-hmm. there's an hour and a half window on Sunday, and anytime you're ro- rolling around nine thirty to close, excellent happy hour. So you can sample wonderful ringside food at happy hour prices. Yep. Never a bad reason to go to Ringside Steakhouse. You can set up reservations online at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Hey, Chris, we'd like to welcome back to the uh, program right at the Fork, our great sponsor, Gen Air at Standard TV and Appliance. Yeah, it's awesome. They were with us a couple of years ago, but appropriate now, both in their, uh, both started in 1947 and just last year, Gen Air launched a beautiful series of new appliances they really upgraded everything they have two lines rise and noir for you to check out at standard tv and appliance tell us a little bit about them court well both of these lines connect to wi-fi so that you can use them using your amazon alexa or maybe you've got a google assisted enabled device like a google home connect and control appliances remotely like if you want to set the uh, oven before you get home you can do that get real-time notifications you can contact gen air call center through them and get this Get a recipe from Yumly through the device. More than one. You can do a few of them. And not only that, you can attach your dishwasher to Amazon and get get dishwasher detergent delivered without even thinking about it. Nothing is worse than running out of dishwasher detergent and not realizing it, but your dishwasher or your washing machine are going to know this. Absolutely. So both the Noir and Rise line feature irresistible interiors illuminated by cinematic and chef's lighting, which is really cool. You got to see these. Smooth racks and flat tines, an expanse of dark glass. Really easy way for you to check out these lines. You can Google search Gen Air Rise or Gen Air Noir. That's one way to check these out, but there's an even better way to do it. Let's go down to Standard TV and Appliance. They have four locations, mm-hmm. one in Beaverton, two in Portland. The showrooms are beautiful, and you'll be able to see them uh, not only in the showrooms, but on the, on the showroom floor, and uh, also one in Bend for our millions of listeners out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting to see, you know, in, I, I, I feel, it feels gross to even say just because, you know, we talk about the Me Too era and it's sort of, you know, I guess we can refer to now as this, but it's also sort of like this, there's a history of, of people coming forward. This is just the the first time that we've had a platform to talk about, um, sexual harassment in workplaces. Yeah. Um, and there've been a lot of stories surrounding sexual harassment, in kitchens specifically, but interestingly enough, not as many within the Portland market. Yeah. Um, do you see that as something cultural or do you see that as maybe stories not being told in the same way? Um, I think that in general in Portland, things have been, you know, not not as macho, not as like masculine as, as in other cities mm. in, in the restaurant industry that is um, for longer I mean, you've had, you know, female chefs creating. I think it's it's probably more of a West Coast thing in general, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't speak for every city, obviously, <laughs> but I right. feel like um, in general, Portland is a much more 
like woke city and has been, you know, I mean, obviously only in certain ways. There are lots of other things that we could talk about. But yes, as far as, you know, like sexual harassment in kitchens and things like that, I've heard way less about it than I have in other cities in general. Um, There is some. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that there are a lot of things that haven't come to light uh, still Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I think that Portland is small enough that it's it's like a small town and people are yeah. kind of holding on to their secrets. Yeah. Um, which I hate. Yeah. Um, but I moved here seven years ago. I don't have those stories to tell personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am certainly not here to to tell anyone else's story right. unless they ask me to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think that in general, everybody's up in everybody's business so much here um, that. There's just been kind of less of that and also less discussion of it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Um, it's interesting. Boston was similar where yeah. it's, it's a city, but it's a small town city. Right. And the, the, the food community is very intertwined mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe whistleblowing feels pretty significant when kitchens are so involved with other kitchens. You right. don't want to end up blacklisted in a way that... You know, I think that's true everywhere, but I think that there is sort of a, a hesitancy to speak, you know, openly. Absolutely. Um, so on to something a little bit more positive. <laughs> um, I'd love to talk about some of uh, the women in, in kitchens and, and female role models you've had that you might want to highlight, um, you know, chefs or cookbook authors or people that you really look up to. Oh, Wow. Oh my god, I'm I'm such a bad person at coming up with these things off the cuff. I definitely like to like sit down and and yeah. write a list. <laughs> but I mean, I I think that as far I haven't I haven't worked with a ton of strong female role models mm. in professional kitchens. Um, I really enjoyed working with uh, Micah Paredes when I was at Beast. Um, I think that she is an absolutely lovely human being. Um, I think that she has really incredible head on her shoulders and is just a a kind, warm human. Um, So I really enjoyed working with her. um, And I definitely looked up to her when we worked together because of the way that she was able to handle a lot of the things that were thrown at her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and still maintain her humanity. Um, Obviously she's had her own struggles um, since then, but I think she's really amazing. Um, I feel like, uh, a large part of who I am as a cook was shaped by my experience of reading cookbooks and and watching chefs on TV. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of like the more modern generation. Yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, when I sat down for my interview with Sean Brock, when I was trying to work at Husk, he asked me, you know, who my most important like food icons were. And I was like, well, Alice Waters, um, Julia Child. You know, like these these are the yeah. people that I think of. Um, and again, you see that kind of that warmth and that generosity coming through them mm-hmm. um, that I think is so important. Um, I'm having a really hard time just picking things off the top of my head. I'm yeah. so sorry. Um, I read not as much as I should at this point. It's, it's a tough question in general. Um, yeah. I think that... Also, you know, we have different sort of sides of things. I, you know, 
food writing in general mm-hmm. is a field that's lucky to have a lot of women in it. Yes, which I love. Yes, which is really, really exciting. But it, you know, in terms of the way we've talked about women and food um, on the actual kitchen side of things, mm-hmm. um, we are, I think, and, and maybe you'll disagree and feel free to. Yeah. Um, I think we are just fairly recently starting to acknowledge women's roles in kitchens mm-hmm. more publicly. And I think that's also true of people of color. I think that oh, yeah. we, we've just... We spent a long, long time talking about how great a lot of white dudes in kitchens have been. And, and we're yep. just now going like, oh, yeah, wait, these people have been involved forever and just haven't been acknowledged. Yep. Yep. It's so it's hard true. <laughs> yeah. when you've been sort of trained to sort of look at um, that particular thing. It's hard to immediately come to mind with the the people that really inspire you on those yeah. sort of things. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. I also think, you know. Not to give myself an excuse or anything, but yeah. I'm like very in my own head right now just yeah. because of restaurant opening. So I apologize for not being able to oh, to yeah. rattle more things <laughs> off. <laughs> Listen, it's not quite as bad as, um, uh, you know what? Never mind. That's a total tangent. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but I, it's interesting to think about also what it means to be a strong female role model. I think mm-hmm. for there was a big chunk of time when it was real women that that we decided were were good. You yeah. know, they they performed the rules, they they fit within the box of what we decided was a, a woman and mm-hmm. and then those were the women that we sort of looked up to, I would say in like the mid-century and then suddenly like we talked about at the top of our chat, um it was women that perf- behaved what we considered as masculine. Yeah. Right. So it's cool to see that there are women that you mentioned are, are kind and generous. Yep. Um, and sort of fall between that where they're not, you know, um, succumbing to, you know, whatever rocks are thrown at them, but yep. they remain gracious and helpful to the other women yes. and people that are interested in improving. Yeah. yeah. And I think that those women have been working in professional kitchens. They've just been quiet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's always been, at least in the celebrity chef community, you know what I mean? It's it's all about personality and who has a bigger personality than a like white dude that has been, you know, given everything and can just yell from the rooftops about how great he is. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's what our industry has been for such a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's really great that I'm seeing more and more um, in the food writing community kind of looking looking deeper mm-hmm. into that, seeing who's actually working in the kitchen, who's there but isn't yelling about it. Um, I think that that's really important. Yeah. So that is uh, leads into another question I've been meaning to ask. What what can people like me do better? What what would you like oh. to see uh, food writers um, do to sort of within the the realm of talking about right. women and food, but also right. if you want to throw in a few other uh, curveballs there, I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that I've seen a, a shift um, in food writing in general that is focusing more on, you know, immigrant cuisine, um, chefs of color, female chefs. I think that it's an amazing push to see and I love it and I want more of it and that's great. Um, something that I can think of um, just off the top of my head, I know that our industry is built on hype, right? Like there's always going to be hype about the new thing and it's, it's all going to spin out because somebody took that one picture on Instagram and now everybody wants to take the picture of the same thing, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. I know that that's an inescapable part of our industry. Um, I would love to see 
just kind of more more journalism like more looking for new stories instead of like recycling the same mm. which i'm sure mm-hmm. you are also tired of yeah. because i feel like we talk we've talked about this before yeah but i mean like i don't know if you think about like jonathan gold like that's that's a food writer mm-hmm. like that's that's what we need to be looking forward or looking you, you know what I'm saying. Looking Absolutely. toward it as an example, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, going out into the community and actually finding people whose stories deserve to be told. Finding yeah. people who are making amazing food that is not being written about in newspapers and, you know, featured on whatever list, wherever. Right. Um, not blown up the gram. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's important. I think also it would be great... And this, a lot of this falls on chefs too, honestly. Um, it would be great for there to be more attention given to the people who are, you know, just barely behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Sous chefs, chef yeah. de cuisines. Um, I think that when you're looking at what the next generation is going to look like uh, of restaurants, of chefs, whatever, that's where you need to look. Because mm-hmm. those people are like hot on the heels um, of the people who are, you know, dominating in the industry right now. Um and a lot of those people are people of color and women, right. um, immigrants, young people, whatever. Like, yeah. I think that investigating those stories and talking about those people as well uh, is really important. And like I mentioned, a lot of it's on chefs because chefs should be lifting those people up along with them, um, putting them in the forefront as well. I feel like I, I'm starting to see more of it. I'm starting to see more of, you know, chefs tagging their crew in things and, you know, really trying to lift their people up. Um, and I hope that that continues. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, that's such a good point. I think, uh, we also will notice that we have one figure that we sort of decide is an entire restaurant group, you know? And yeah, there are so many, you mentioned that it's a a far more diverse market when you actually look at the CDCs and those, a lot of times are the people that are really, you know, running, running the the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Even writing the menus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Those are the people. I I think that, you know, with restaurant groups and things like that, and just in general, a chef is becoming more of a figurehead. A Mm -hmm. chef is becoming more of a brand. Yep. Um, And it's really important to talk about the people who are actually making the food, Mm -hmm. writing the menus, going to the farmer's market, like doing all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, They deserve attention and recognition as well. Absolutely. Now... For listeners, and I assume diners, um, what are things that they can do? I guess I can do. I I fit into that demographic. (laughs) um, To make sure that we are supporting businesses and women within the um, Portland food industry. What what is something that we can do to be more conscious of maybe sexism within kitchen spaces or on the other side, feminism within kitchen spaces? I think that, you know, just pay attention to what's happening around you. Um, If you're going to a restaurant, you're really excited to go because the, you know, white dude chef. Also, no offense to like white dude chefs. I have so many white dude chef friends. They're great. Whatever. But like, I'm I'm just saying like in a very general way, Mm -hmm. um, if you're thinking about going to this restaurant because you have heard so much about this one chef, maybe also put in the time to look for other like comparable places Mm -hmm. that are maybe not run by the white dude. Um, 
put time into investigating the places that are open in your neighborhood um, instead of, you know, going straight to the Internet for a list. I mean, also no offense. No, I got Eater it. does amazing lists <laughs> and I love them and I use them wherever I go. But um, I think that so much of it is like, yeah, just explore for yourself. Um, also, if you've heard any like weird rumors about a chef being kind of a shit bag, don't go eat their food. Yeah. Do not do it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you heard a rumor that, you know, this one chef has like a stripper pole in his restaurant. Yeah. Don't go. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like the era of the bad boy, like Playboy chef is officially over. Super over. Yeah. Um, That shit's not fun. That shit doesn't do anything to lift anyone up. It hurts people. Um, It hurts women. Um, It creates a toxic environment that's bad for men as well. It's bad for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just, I don't know, follow your gut. Like, if you've heard something bad about somebody, don't support them. Um, if you've heard a story uh, from a friend or a, f- a friend of a friend about someone's behavior, it might be true, and you should pay attention to that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really what I can say is explore, intentionally go to restaurants that are run by people of color uh, and women, and trust your gut and don't go eat the food of people who are known assholes yep absolutely (laughs) there's also this is this is a piece of advice i'm trying to take more myself as a journalist but i think Mm -hmm. it's something that applies to listeners too and and diners um taking a quick opportunity to look for um look do a quick police scan a quick google of of a restaurant owner sometimes especially you know in after the stanich story you can find things pretty easily yep. um, that people are just ignoring, um, including histories of domestic violence, yep. um, sexual harassment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, f- both sort of wage violations and, um, you know, discrimination violations mm-hmm. are all stuff that you can find. Um, and, you know, we, in terms of what I, how I do my job, I try to make sure that when I'm writing about a restaurant that I've, I've taken a second look at, at the person I'm boosting's right. background. Right. Um, but I think it's something that diners can do as well. And and it's a smart way to vote with your dollar. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that there are so many diners out there. Thanks for listening. Thank um, you. Who consider <laughs> themselves to be part of the restaurant community, you yeah. know? Like it wouldn't exist without the people who come out mm-hmm. to eat. So like be a part of that community. Take yeah. it upon yourself to do that research, to check in on things. Yeah. Um. You know, you're supporting people when mm-hmm. you go to a restaurant. You're paying wages. Um, look for places that have diverse kitchens. Yeah. You know, most of the kitchens in Portland are open. You can just see. Yep. Like, look, <laughs> exactly. for, look for diverse staffs. Mm-hmm. Just support those places. That mm-hmm. is important. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Um, I kind of want to, this is going to be a little random. Ooh. But... How about we end with just naming women we really dig right now? For instance, I've been really into Lizzo. I've been listening to. Oh my a god, ton I love Lizzo, Lizzo so much. Yes, I love Lizzo. I love Cardi B, y'all. I love Cardi. B. I love Cardi B. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm like, okay, women who aren't just in music. Yeah, See, I know. The, my brain is so fried. <laughs> Mine too. I'm still in that like a little. I, I got in a little car thing, so I'm like still a little like frazzled, and I'm like. I don't know. I need some upbeat, empowering business. And that ends up being music. Lizzo. Yeah, Lizzo. Basically. Yeah, just nonstop Lizzo. Nonstop. Um, I 
I had great um, food editors that were women. So I'm, I'm also like, I kind of want to be like, Cheryl Julian was my, my jam. Yeah. Um, and then again, I'm like, A.D. Bryant, I really like. Yeah. <laughs> just like, this is so random. I have no idea if this is even usable. Just, so much. Like, you know, just give it a shot. Just like, see oh, what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just spin the wheel of yeah. women. <laughs> like, oh, God. I'm I so basically exhausted. like all women. All like, women. I mean, all women and femmes. Yeah, yeah. I basically am just like constantly every day just going through Instagram and just like double tapping the shit yeah. out of like every lady that I follow, every lady yeah. I see. I'm like, yes. There's such a hilarious uh, rumor that, that women are like really unsupportive of each other and that there's this like competitiveness. And I just I don't feel like I encounter that at all anymore. I just feel yeah. like I'm spending most of my time complimenting women's skirts and bathrooms. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. And they're like it has pockets and it's great. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's something that I think we all learn as we get older, yeah. right? That women aren't your competition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the patriarchy, y'all. Like, you've just been informed to think about things a certain way. Am I going to, like, scare people off? I'm, is it time for me to go on my patriarchy how many, how many people have I alienated already? Anyway. <laughs> well, let's do it. I mean, let's do it. I think that this is really important. Sorry, yeah, Court. Absolutely. Um, Thanks, but, Court. But no, I mean, seriously, like, society teaches women that they should tear each other down. And guess what happens when we realize that we don't want to? We take shit over. Yeah. And we create a better world yes. for each other. For everyone. Um, yeah. And that's what we're trying to do in the restaurant industry as well. Yes. Taking it back home. Taking it back home. I might go work in your kitchen. I think that's my new You plan. know, if you, if you want, you can come hang <laughs> You really out. sold it. I, I feel like I, I worked in a pizza kitchen where I was, you know, tickled. And it was just like people like. You were re- tickled? Like I was people touched you? Chef. No. Yep. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Gross. Lots of gross. I had a lot of like weird sexual harassment stuff when I was oh, in the yeah. kitchen. So now, I mean, zero tolerance. Yep. Everyone really, really across the board. Make your kitchen zero tolerance for sexual harassment. I'm like, you know, if you are going to be weird, if you're going to make somebody uncomfortable, guess what? I'm going to work your station. And, you know, it's going to be fine. I can I can work. I can do all the jobs. I know that, you know, people talk about there being like cook shortages and all that stuff. Like, I don't care. I would rather close for a day and not have vulnerable people on my staff being, you know, taken advantage of or made to feel uncomfortable or unsafe. Absolutely. And I think that's what we should all try to do. Yes. Like if, if someone that works for you, also, hello, restaurant owners, mm-hmm. if somebody that works for you is making people uncomfortable, fire them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. don't put up with that shit. And I yeah. think that that is getting a lot more common. I think that people yeah. are, you know, really starting to create these zero tolerance policies and bravo to them for that. And yeah. we should all be there. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> is that good? <laughs> I should be better at kickers. I should all I've always been bad at kickers. Yeah, I think um I really really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, of course. I think uh what you're doing is so great. It's so cool Thanks. to see um someone so powerful and Ooh. also gracious um running a kitchen and I I love dining with you. So, thank you. Everyone be better. Be better everybody. <laughs> You just got to put put the work into it every day. Put the work in. Yep. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right